0: You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities.
1: I'll just say in my personal portfolio, I'm probably 85 to 90% in precious metals, and then the rest would be largely copper, and then a little bit of sort of the battery metals, such as nickel um, and lithium.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Well, my guest today is my friend, Jamie Keach of Resource Insider. If you're not familiar with Jamie's work, I'll put a link in the show note. His website is resource-insider.com. He is an entrepreneur, an investor, and a deal maker in the junior mining space. And he negotiates and finds deals for his subscribers. So it's not just a newsletter. That recommends investing in certain uh, companies. It's a newsletter or a subscription service that actually creates opportunities for people to have access to private placements. So you need to be a accredited investor that they might not otherwise have. So Jamie, welcome back
1: onto the show. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate you having me again. So
0: where are you finding the best opportunities right now? Could you share a little bit about how you've been making money?
1: Where am I finding the best opportunities right now? Uh, well, you know, generally speaking and broadly speaking, it's in the mining and precious metal space. Uh, we've had a lot of success there over, I want to say, the last four months. So, throughout the summer and into the early fall, there has been a bit of a mania, I would say, of financing junior companies, exploration companies, and we've been involved in in several of those. The ones that I think are particularly attractive and. For those following the markets closely, we've had a bit of a come down uh, the last few weeks in particular. But fortunately, our picks and our investments have have maintained very well during that. So uh, we've been investing in gold, we've been investing in silver, and even a little bit, we're starting to build positions in copper and other base metals now.
0: What would be the percentage breakdown by commodity, would you say?
1: So at this point, um, I'll just say in my personal portfolio, portfolio, uh, I'm probably 85 to 90 percent in precious metals, and then the rest would be largely copper, and then a little bit of sort of the battery metals such as nickel um, and lithium. However, uh, over the coming six to twelve months, I see copper, particularly and other base metals, taking up. Uh, somewhere between twenty-five to thirty percent of our overall portfolio,
0: and that would be more exploration plays in your portfolio.
1: Well, there's a combination. Um, we're probably seventy-five percent exploration or resource development plays, uh, but we I do have exposure to uh, royalty and streaming companies, to mid-tier producers. Um, and, and even uh, some majors as well.
0: Last time we spoke, you had said that you wanted to do private placement priced at a discount with warrants because you were expecting a pullback. Uh, when you're negotiating, are, th- are these still the type of terms that you're looking for?
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean, we've, we've seen that pullback, right, Bill? Like we've seen everything pull back. We've seen these private placements, which uh, for those not familiar with this, um, investments that have come in, uh, they have a four-month hold. We've seen that four-month hold, meaning during that four months, investors can't sell the stock. That's come off. A lot of people have sold the stock at you know significant gains, and it's it's pushed the share price down in a lot of these deals, and uh, deals that we've participated in, and deals that other people have participated in. And part of the reason I was so insistent on getting that that discount is because I anticipated this. And this is very common, um, and as a result of that. Much of pretty much everything we've done is still well in the money, or or still at a profit for us.
0: I refer a high net worth friend to you, as you know, and you've already made him some money on a pre-IPO deal. I noticed you've been doing a lot of pre-IPO deals that are IPOing significantly above where you were able to get your members in in terms of share price. How do you play it, Jamie, when the drill results aren't in yet, but yet you're up 100 hundred, two hundred 200% even before the results come back? How do you typically play that in your own portfolio?
1: Yeah, so to touch on that, you know, these pre-IPO deals, we've been doing them. I've been doing them for years now. Uh, and right, you know, over the last couple of months, we've had many, many of them start to list and become public. And they've often listed at significant premiums, two, three, four times what we came in at. Um, and that is really... You know, we, I, I don't want people to think that we invested in them last week and they're public this week at a huge premium. Many of those things we've been waiting six months, a year. One of them that, really, that came out just last week, uh, Montage Gold, we've been waiting for two years on. So we've really put in our time uh, waiting for this and kind of what I would consider earn those premiums that they come out at. Now, to answer your question, what do I do uh, if something comes out at a double or a triple? and they haven't even released the drill hole yet. Uh, The answer is, it depends. It depends on the deal, the team, the asset, what I think is gonna happen next. Uh, And I I play that case by case. If I'm not convinced and something's happened in the preceding months or years, that makes me think, okay, perhaps this isn't a a project that has legs, given that we have more information now. Of course, sell my stock or a portion of my stock. Before I do that, I always tell members what I'm doing and give them the chance to sell as well alongside with me. Um, in other cases, if I believe in the project, I hold it. Now, a good example of this is a company we invested in uh, not so long ago. Uh, it was early summer. It was a company called Pucara Resources, and it came out strong out of the gate. Uh, I believe we came out at about a double, and I have not sold a share of that. I've, I've told my members that because we are waiting for drill results. And we're expecting those drill results in the next couple of months. If and when they come, I'll make an evaluation at that point. I believe in the project, I believe in the team, I believe in the upside. I don't wanna sell it a double here because I think it has the potential to deliver 10X returns. So so that's a very specific case and how we manage that. So with Pucara,
0: you also invested in Eclipse Gold and Montage. A lot of these deals, they don't come with warrants, do they? But yet, you're still willing to invest in a private co.
1: Yeah, none of those deals came with warrants. None of those, and you know, warrants certainly have their place, and they obviously offer value to investors, and they sweeten the deal, and, and and all the rest that many of your readers would be, or rather, your listeners would be familiar with. But you know, warrants have a downside too. They really hurt. The structure of the company. They can really damage the ability for a share price to go up, even on the back of good news, because you've got, because they incentivize people to sell their stock and hold their warrants. So when I really believe in a team, when I really believe in a project, I'm not too concerned about having warrants or not, because I want to see that thing drilled, I want to see the results, and I want it to have the opportunity to become as valuable as it possibly can.
0: In the last three or four months since we last spoke, uh,
1: what would be some of the key things that you learned? Man, has it been three or four months? I think so. I thought it was early summer. I have to check. (laughs) This summer is like flying by. Uh, So what are the key things that I've learned? Um, You know, can I get you to be more specific in that? We've really had our head down here, Bill, looking at different investments and different opportunities. Things have gone really well across our portfolio. And what we're doing is really looking for the next one and managing our positions as we go forward and cutting back where we want and reallocating and sometimes allocating more money to a certain deal. So my view of the sector has not changed marketably in the last several months. I think we're in the middle of a bull market. I think we're in a little bit of a pullback right now, which is very, very healthy, and I like to see that. But I think come the new year, you know, we're just getting started.
0: Osino Resources is a Ross Beattie-backed gold exploration company in mining-friendly Namibia. Osino's district-scale land package is situated near two producing gold mines, one of which Osino's management team previously developed and sold to B2 Gold. Osino's founders and management are experienced mining professionals who have already successfully developed and sold two companies in the past seven years. Osino has a tight share structure, and with its current treasury, it can self-fund the advancement of its gold discovery into at least 2022. This is an exploration company with Drills Turning that you'll definitely want to pay attention to. Osino trades in New York under the ticker OSIIF and in Toronto under the ticker OSI. To learn more, go to osinoresources.com. That's osinoresources.com. One of the key things of Resource Insider is access. You're bringing your members access to deals and that comes through relationships and through people. So for some of the retail investors that are listening to us that are not yet accredited, how can they get access to some of these relationships now that we're in a, a virtual world where AME Roundup and PDAC are already canceled for next year?
1: You know, I come at this, um, I'd say, very differently than the typical newsletter writer per se. We're not a stock picking service. I, You know, I spent my whole career working for mining companies, working in corporate development, looking at acquiring assets and doing deals internally. So I've really taken that um professional approach. And that's how I invest as well. I'm very comfortable with private companies. I'm very comfortable uh, with private placements. So in that t- style of investing, um, access to opportunity is the most important thing. And it's, it's really one, who you know, and two, the ability to independently evaluate information. When you're buying stock on the market, it's a very, very different thing. You get a tremendous amount of public information and access is less important because you're able to just purchase that stock you know, in your trading account the same as anyone else. So the ability to get ahead as a stock picker, as an investor on public markets versus what I do, uh, requires a different skill set. And that's the ability to, I would say, interpret information at a level that is better than your competitors or peers. And that is a very, very challenging thing to do in the junior mining space for the for an average retail investor. I mean, there's two reasons for that. The first is the information tends to be highly technical. I'm a mining engineer, and I can tell you a lot of the time when I'm looking particularly at particularly geological data, I am not equipped to evaluate that myself. And I need to tap professional geologists who are specialized in that style of deposit so that i can fully understand that before i choose to invest and that's a resource that the average investor doesn't have uh, unfortunately and now the second part of this the second thing is opacity of information so by its very nature uh mining and then particularly junior mining exploration is a very opaque industry there is uh there is a limited amount of information available, even to the people that are running these companies. They're exploration stage companies, they're venture stage companies, which means a lot of guessing and hypothesizing is going into these, these deals. So when a geologist goes out and they drill a drill hole, you know they can certainly anticipate what they're gonna find, but they don't know what they're gonna find. So if you don't have access to information, and if you don't have um, the ability to interpret the information you have in a very competitive way, I would say the average investor at home is at a ma- major disadvantage. Now, there's ways to combat that. Uh, and I'd say there's two, two ways to combat that. One is you hire someone, uh, one newsletter writer, uh, a competent broker. If you have the means, you can employ geologists, that sort of thing, to go out and help you interpret this sort of information and you rely on professionals and their best judgment. And then the other way to, to really get exposure is to play it safe and to just give yourself exposure um, to the underlying commodities. And the way I would recommend anyone who wants to get exposure to gold or some or precious metals or mining in general is to buy things that you know will go up in a rising uh, metal price environment. So I would say anyone who's interested in this space should own, a, ro- a royalty and streaming company. They should own a development stage gold company. They should own a major gold producer. And they should probably own the GDXJ as well just for, for general exposure.
0: Yep. And all of those are very liquid usually compared to a lot of the juniors.
1: And for most people, Bill, I think you know I think that's enough. Unless they want to spend hours and hours and hours listening to your podcast and my podcast and reading articles and talking to this you know they're going to get 75% of the way there just doing this one thing. Now it's for the people that are trying to eke out that last 25% of value and want to put in the hours of work to do it. It's a lot of work. But then you can go and you can buy the junior exploration companies, you can interpret that information and you can, you know, this is where you do find those 10 baggers or the rare 100 baggers. But it's not easy. Uh, and if you want to just not be lucky, You know, you've really got to put in the work to understanding what you have there.
0: Jamie, I want to uh, just say to the retail investors that maybe are a little discouraged after hearing what you just said, uh, I have you a clip that you gave me. It's in my outro for this podcast that you shared with me at the 2018 Sprott Natural Resource Symposium. And during that conversation, I asked you, can retail investors be successful? And I just want to lift up that at the time you said yes but it's going to take a lot of work. So they're not relegated to the GDXJ, of course, but it's going to take work, isn't it?
1: It is. I mean, listen, if it was easy, everyone would be making 10 extra money in junior mining all the time. So the only people that do it are the people that work very hard or the people that get very lucky. And you probably don't want to bet on being the one who gets very lucky.
0: Have you bought anything in the open market, or are you still only doing uh, private Private co's or private placements.
1: Have bought one stock recently in the open market. I'm happy to tell you what it is. Sure. Uh, It's called Scotty Resources. Um, Scotty Resources is an exploration play up in the Golden Triangle here in British Columbia, just outside of a town called Stewart, BC, run by a gentleman named Brad Rourke. And you know, I went on a site visit there um, just uh, when was this? About a month ago, maybe a little bit longer, and. Uh, to be honest, I did not expect to like this company very much. I have never had much of an affinity for the Golden Triangle. It is remote, it is harsh conditions, uh, the geology is complex. But I spent three days on site with Brad and his team. I walked away really, really, really impressed. Um, you know, first of all, there's an old producing gold mine there, there is probably hundreds of millions of dollars of infrastructure easy access from road, they've got a massive land package, they've got a great team, they've got very, very promising uh, drill results to date, and they've just drilled this past season something like 7,000 meters that that are currently in the lab waiting to get released. Now, uh, this is an exploration place, so I don't know what those results are yet, but I walked away from that site visit feeling confident enough that this was something that I wanted exposure to. So I bought it at, I believe it was 41 cents. I told my subscribers about that. Many of them bought it as well. And I think it's trading around 35 or 34 cents now. So you actually have the opportunity to buy this at a cheaper price than I bought it at. Um, You know, why has it gone down? The answer is the markets have gone down in general. They haven't released any more news. We're waiting for results. So this will either go up or it will go down depending on those news results. I'm still holding my stock, so you can probably take that, what I think is going to happen. Uh, But I'm very, very excited about what comes out of this thing in the coming month or so.
0: Jamie, after the crash in March of this year, there was a lot of debating about, are we going to see inflation, deflation, stagflation? And I noticed a a few of those discussions starting to emerge again uh, as people debate whether gold and the gold stocks are going to go down after the election, is there going to be chaos, all of these type of ideas. Do you have any sh- thoughts you could share regarding this debate?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I think this is an antidotal uh, example. But I mean, I'm starting to notice inflation right now in my home. So there's a, there's a sushi restaurant near my house that I go to once a week. And already the prices on there are about 15% higher than they were pre-COVID. And I'm starting to see things in the grocery store which are more expensive than they were several months ago. So we're starting to see inflation creep into the price of food, at least here in Vancouver is what I've noticed. Now, a lot of people think we haven't seen things inflate over the last decade. We've been in a deflationary environment and that is partially true. Uh, That's true for things like food. That's true for things like consumer goods. That's true for anything that can be exported and created and built overseas or imported from overseas. Um, but it is not true for the things that we have to produce in places like the United States or Canada. You know, we've seen housing prices skyrocket. And, you know, in Vancouver, for example, it costs about a million dollars to buy a one or a two bedroom apartment. And that's gone up, you know, it's more than doubled over the last 10 years. We've seen in the US things like healthcare child care, increase marketably. And these are all these things that are not easily exported overseas, and we don't get the discount of cheap labor and, and all the things that come along with that. So we've been seeing inflation in non-exportable goods. And one of the consequences of COVID, one of the consequences of a lot of countries around the world taking a more nationally focused policy as opposed to a globally focused policy is more and more things are going to have to come from within a country. you know the United States is going to really need to start relying more on its own food production as opposed to Mexico. Uh, you know Trump is making a priority of, of um, getting commodities within the country as opposed to relying on foreign partners. And the reality of this, I believe, is that the price of everything is going to go up, and I think we are really at a I'm not sure the best way to put it, but like a generational tipping point for commodities, where they're going to be the place that every investor with half a brain is going to want to be for the next decade.
0: And before you go, you're there in Vancouver. We have Wall Street in New York, but we have House Street, the center of the junior mining world in Vancouver. What's the vibe like on House
1: Street right now? Well, you know, over the last couple months, uh, it's been pretty much ecstatic basically every half-wit CEO or piece of shit mining company has been able to raise an egregious amount of money. Uh, Now some of that money has gone into the hands of some highly capable, skilled people that are going to go out and create shareholder value. And some of that money has gone into the hands of people that are going to be having some very nice dinners at some very nice restaurants in (laughs) Vancouver and (laughs) around the rest of the world. But what is happening uh, is a lot of good companies are cashed up, and they're getting very, very serious about planning operations and exploration programs. And they're, you're finding, I'm finding, there's a refocus from just raising money in the market to, all right, time to start getting shit done. And, you know, frankly, those are a lot of the companies that we've invested in, and I'm very excited to see What happens there to them and many others over the coming, I would say, two quarters.
0: And regarding Resource Insider, if there's an accredited investor listening to us, is it open or are you capped out? Where are you at with that?
1: So uh, Resource Insider is open. Um, We have kind of been quiet about that. We've got a few slots left, but we will be taking new members with our next deal, which is coming up in about the next month. So if you're interested in Resource Insider, I highly recommend you go to our website, resource-insider.com sign up for our free email list you'll get to hear about everything that we're working on all the deals we're doing and if you find that it's right for you you can sign up and participate and invest alongside me
0: excellent well jamie thanks for coming on the show appreciate the update
1: my pleasure bill
0: the mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth you know a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or hundred thousand dollars and it might discover something worth a couple billion there is no sector that i know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility certainly not the certainty but the possibility of 10 for one returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks Concommit